Welcome back, everybody, man. What's up? Thomas Free Me. This is the Thomas Free Me TV and Podcast Show. Welcome back. First and foremost, I pray that everybody is safe and sound, blessed, and is able to sit down and enjoy part two of the discussion. Actually, this is like part four. This is part two of part four. Part two of part three. Part two of part three. Aryan Warriors, Frank De Palma breaking down the construction of the Aryan Warriors. This is a man that was in the Nevada system since 1975 and was in the midst of a war between whites and blacks, right? So um, as he elaborates on his beautiful story that he shares with us, I wanted to first and foremost thank you for watching you know, that episode because it's, it's very important. It's a very important discussion, and I kind of just want to touch bases, you know, a little bit with some of what Frank is is talking about. You know, a lot of the experiences that he shares are still commonplace in today's prisons, just because he's he's expressing something from 30, 40 years ago. This is a very draconian system, very barbaric system. Not much changes. You know, it's it's... It's kill or be killed for the most part, you know, and, and as we're listening to, to Frank speak about these stories, we're, we're starting to kind of understand that a little bit, you know, some of these situations that we're put in to where the, you have to make a decision, you know, you have to make a decision. Um, with me, you know, that, that, that decision that decision came to me when, when I was in Beaumont. As for me, as I've elaborated in, in prior episodes, you know, that, that decision for me came in Beaumont. You know, when, when I was dealing with the issues that I was dealing with, um, I, can kind of, I can kind of relate to Frank's story in, in that bit because, you know, at Beaumont, I had, I had a decision to make. You know, and it was understanding the, the the construct of what I was in, you know, and knowing that not all wins were wins. You know, sometimes you, you got to know when to take a loss for that win, you know. So it's it's understanding that balance. And for Frank, I think the difference was because Frank was coming in at a very young age and he really just did not have the the life experience and education on how to make those decisions frank is coming in as a young hothead and and wants to bull his way and and that's pretty much how most kids are you know that end up going to prison and and they end up in train wrecks just as frank ended up in a train wreck you know and and his life was flipped upside down in a matter of of minutes you know and this is what can happen inside a prison and I just want the listener to really understand and appreciate this human being just for his experiences of what he has gone through and the fact that he he's he's expressing and sharing this for the purpose of people to understand what prison is doing to the human to the human body, you know, to the human body and the after effects of it. 
you know, the after effects of it. You know, this man has been home for three and a half years now, and he's really, really struggling hard to maintain, to maintain. He has no sense of purpose. Um, he don't feel like he he's constructive at all. The man feels like he's a burden. And, and it's a horrible feeling for any human being to feel like a burden, especially one to society, you know. So these are these are the issues that we have to go through as returning citizens and which is one of the reasons why I, I, I love Frank's story because Frank is the quintessential returning citizen that is struggling in our society just to have a second chance at life. And if anybody deserves a second chance at life, it's this man right here. He's never even had a first chance at life. You know, he got 10 years for property damage. It's all he got. And that's because he did not apologize to the court the way that they were expecting him to apologize. You know, we go over all of that in the first episode, the introductory episode. But essentially, that's all it was, was a hot-headed kid that didn't understand when to take a win and and when to take a loss. He just didn't understand that. In his mind, all wins were it was him coming out on top or you you or it was a loss. And when you get into that construct, you know, you you make some egregious mistakes in life and you have to learn, you know. So this man went in just 10 years and ended up doing 43, 22 of that in solitary confinement. 22 years in solitary confinement. 22 years. I want my listener to reflect on those years. Go back from where you're at now, 22 years, and think of your life in that span. All that you've accomplished, all that you've done. And this is a human being who was in one six by eight cell for 22 years. And in solitary confinement, I want my listeners to also understand you have no mirror. You have no mirror. If you want to shave, you have to do it. You know, you would just do it by by feeling, you know, you would feel and you'd hit, you'd feel, you know, and you'd hit. And it's a dry shave at that. But 22 years, this man has not seen his face. There is no reflection. There's nothing for you to see. You may catch it at night. You know what I mean? If the if 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 your window is 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 positioned correctly and some light may come through and you may catch your reflection off something in there, but it's nothing to really make a determination as to as to facial features. So this man has not seen his face. In 22 years, imagine that. Imagine coming out of a room after 22 years and seeing your face for the first time. And then shortly after that, this man was released into society with no help. Just uh, go get him, Tiger. Hope you make it. So I want to get right back into this episode. I know a lot of my listeners is... is uh, 
you know, on the edge of their seats, as one of the comments to the last episode said. So I do want to get this out and not take up too much of your time. But I just want the listener, when they're listening to this story, appreciate what this human being has endured to, to, to get here now and and have some semblance of a life, some happiness, you know, some some kind of purpose. And and that is what my goal is, as Coming Home Coalition, as Thomas Freeme, is to help these returning citizens that never really had a chance just to have some semblance of enjoyment in their life, to try to help them gather these pieces together, put them back together, and just enjoy a little bit of life, you know. And if one man deserves it, it's this man right here. You know, um, if anybody feels like donating, they would like to help out with this. Please visit www.cominghomecoalition.com and uh, donate. And I'll make sure that Frank gets it and gets on his feet. If anybody has any ideas of how they can help Frank, he is in the Reno, Nevada area. If anybody is in that area and would like to reach out to Frank and offer him a job, give him some sort of purpose, he would much appreciate it. He needs it. So with that being said, with that being said... We are going to go ahead and continue to freshen you up a little bit. Um, Frank was getting into the story of how he retaliated against, you know, these these black gangbangers that were coming at him now because they knew that he was fair game. Right. And knowing that you're fair game, there are vicious people that will look to take advantage of you, you know, and they ran across the wrong person that day at the wrong time you know and it just happens that way sometimes but what ended up happening was now because of that right it's it opens the doors for him to be heavily retaliated against now so that is what that term green light he'd been given the green light and and how that works how the politics works inside a prison is you know you have your different sects of gangs and they all have their rules, you know, of what that gang is. But if you are not gang affiliated or gang related, you know, in a gang affiliated with gang, none of that stuff, you are what is considered independent. Now, by by most people's views, independence would also be considered a gang, but is not. We are independents. We are not affiliated with nobody <clears throat> and we don't want to be affiliated with anybody but yet we have to protect ourselves so independents also have cars right or groups of people depending on where you're from things of that nature in the federal system the further away you get from from where you live it, it ends up going from like block to city to state you know what i mean and when you're out of state then it's just whoever's from florida that's your car and then that car would delegate somebody to be speaker, right? To be leader of that car. Ultimately, what the goal is, is not to have a riot, have a bunch of bloodshed, people killing each other all over the place because you have a bunch of knucklehead leaders, you know, speakers that are just crashing cars, doing stupid stuff, you know? So once that process is done, you have a speaker now for the independence. 
So, I mean, that is kind of how the politics go. Now, getting back into Frank, and I didn't mean to, to, to take so long with that story, but it's the relatability. And I understand that line. And once you cross that line, you never go back. Right. This is why I have learned to 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 hone my my anger and other issues that I have, because. When you deal with somebody that has been to that level, you don't come down from that level, you automatically go to that level. And most people, especially out here in society, don't even know whether that level is at. Right. Most of these people, they just want to get drunk, throw a couple punches and then shake hands afterwards and that's that's not this type of lifestyle at all, you know, because it's been life or death. It's just like somebody that's been in the military in a war on a front line. You don't play with them. Like, these people aren't here to play, you know? Like, they've been through shit, and they saw shit, and they've lived through shit, you know? So, with that being said, part two of part three of Aryan Warriors, enjoy, please like the video man go ahead and click the like now go ahead and hit the subscribe now if you haven't and go ahead and hit the notifications to let you know because i'm gonna start rocking with youtube again man i think youtube is gonna let me back in the loop and i think i might just start rocking with them again so i'll start uploading videos here if you have not subscribed to my spotify please do that as well because there are episodes there that you may have not heard y'all stay safe man one love community unity Protect our people, man. We the people. You can't handle the truth. And uh, so I set the knife on the bed, put my T-shirt over it. Man, I'm shaking. I am shaking. But all of a sudden, it was so weird. And it's happened every time. It's like I got an angel with me. I, it was like something turned down the volume on the world. Everything seemed to slow down. It got dense, like the, the air got thick. Everything slowed down except me. I was regular and, and I felt that, I guess it was adrenaline. I was just shaken. And I was just, I don't know. It was hard. It's hard to describe. I'm sure you felt it, you know, uh, but it's a serious thing. It's the fight or flight thing. I, I was really experiencing only on a super intense level. And because uh, I knew this was serious and I'm scared to death. But that that is some of the trauma that we experience dealing with that, because it's not a game, you know, in that moment, no. you know, in that moment, this is life or death. Right. Because I've and, seen and that's what I thought I thought was going to happen. I, 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 you know, the second time I. I stepped out of the cell, I picked the knife and had it to my side in my left hand. I'm left handed. And uh, when I stepped out of the cell. There were just two cells away. And what I did next surprised them and me, too, because that. I didn't hesitate. Instead of waiting for them, I took it to them. Mm-hmm. And and it was on. And as you know, it's, it may last a couple of minutes at best, mm-hmm. but it's super intense. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and it ends, it ends with people hurt real bad or worse. And that's how this happened. Uh, I got stabbed through the, through the, the knee with a bone crusher. I got hit inside. Uh, I had, you know, just started swinging my knife. It turns out that I, I hit one guy in his lung, in the chest, another guy in his neck. And there were some stab wounds in other people's arms and stuff. Uh, I had a broken nose, a broken uh, a cheekbone. Uh, uh, the orbital socket was broken in my face. Uh, I had a hairline jaw fracture. And there was blood everywhere. And as I was going, I, and I couldn't breathe anymore. So I just was out of wind. I, but as far as I knew, there were still four people. I didn't know two had, had already left the fight. And... Uh, uh, and so it was just, I mean, but I could smell blood. I could smell the copper and it was just, everything was so acute. Everything was just so, uh, intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I see more hands and I hear somebody yelling, let it go, let it go. They're trying to pull a knife at him. And I'm, I know if they take the knife, I'm going to die. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so I'm fighting with everything I got. I don't know who's what, what I'm just fighting. And someone says, it's over, man, let go. And they ripped the night. I can't hold on to it no more. And I'm expended. I'm on the ground. And there's these white guys holding me saying, man, it's over gunslinger. Mm-hmm. It's over. And, uh, so they yell man down, man, man down, you know, and they give the tear tear number and some white dude says hold your mud gunslinger hold your fucking mud mm-hmm. i didn't know what that meant until mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. <laughs> he was telling me don't tell mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh well you know uh like in one of my stories i wrote well <laughs> you know nobody told <laughs> you know and uh and that's how it was so but the, the guards came up there and saw all the blood and they called medical and uh, I was bleeding pretty bad, and so was a couple of other guys, especially the guy with the one in the neck, you know. Uh, so they declared it. Uh, they got, like, the stab wounds were too serious for the prison that they had to be taken. So they b- did that code thing. And uh, uh, ambulance came and took uh, th- some of those guys. They took me in a prison thing. And uh, I remember there was this guard in there in the, in the, sitting in the back with me. And his name is Murphy. He was a real hard ass. Mm-hmm. Or was he? Because uh, he patted my shoulder. He said, it'll all pass, son. This will all go away. Mm-hmm. And there was a kindness there. You know, he kind of gave himself away. <laughs> I think a lot of his actions were just an act, you know, mm-hmm. a facade to be tough, you know. But uh I never forgot that guy and his words to me because I was scared. You know, it, at, at the end of the day, these people know the atrocity that that we're in and they know that that they're part of that. And I think that in those moments that you're talking about right there, because I'm familiar with a couple of those, I think in those moments, that is a human being that sees another human being and is glad that it's not him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, man, I feel so sorry God, for you. 
but I'm, you know, this is a hell of a situation that you're in. And it's, it's almost like they feel empathy for that slightest moment. But I think that empathy is rooted in the fact that it's not them. They know what kind of shit you're going through. And man, I'm glad it's not me. You yeah. know, that's what I always and felt when I would do that. It is, of course. And I, I understand that. <laughs> but that's you know? why I say I look for these individuals that feel that type of humanity just for that brief moment to speak on that, because we need those individuals to come out and say, like, what is going on in there? Like these atrocities that you're facing, you know, versus just staying quiet. Just because you're it's your career and maybe you're not intelligent enough to go get another job anywhere and you feel that this is the best thing you got going in your life. So I'm going to just sit down and be quiet and, and let these people butcher themselves. We have yeah. to stop that. Well, just like just like uh, there were some decent guards that worked there, but there were some really depraved guards that worked there, whether years of working there cycled that way or they came that way. But I always said, don't just look at us. Look at these people here. Amen. Because if anybody knows about the 1971 Prison Stanford Project, which I think should be required uh, study for mm -hmm. anyone in the criminal justice system to know the nature of human behavior. You give people power and most people don't know how to deal with that power and they become ruthless. They become mm -hmm. cruel. They become depraved. Uh, and right. and it's you got a lot of people that work there that are ex-military, and they are raised in the ways of the rules and regulations. You break them, you suffer the consequences, no questions asked. And they're right. That's how they were raised. That's how they think. Conformity. Imagine having that mentality with a bunch of guys who are anti-authority, authoritative and don't follow rules, you have a natural arch enemy thing going, you know, uh, a little, you know, anima animosity. It's just natural. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that that is a recipe for disaster. Those types of individuals that polar, you know, pol you know, polar opposites apart. They're completely apart. Don't think alike at all. And they're working, with, they're, they're amongst each other every day. It's going to get tense. Everybody's always tense. But not only that, to take, to take what you say, to take what you say and put on top of it that you administer power to one group over another. Yes. Right. And yes. that and that is where I think a lot of the that that deadly conflict comes from is because yes. me as an inmate. I can um I got along with guards as long as they respected me for who I was. Yes. Right. Exactly. And and it was a, it was a, but it was the ones that tried to get me to conform to what they thought I should be doing or how they thought I should be doing my time is where that rub started at and and you had these these cops who would 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 go to the extent of planting dope or, or shanks on you to prove their point. You yep. know, and, and things of that nature. So but we're going to mm -hmm. get into into that. But so you now are in the hospital. You've sent a couple to the hospital. What happens after that? I'm in the hospital. I stayed there for three days. Uh, they poked and prodded, you know, and fixed me up, gave me a shot of uh, good pain medication. It did wonders. And I was in the hospital area. 
but there was a guard sitting in a chair. He had a gun and everything. And uh, I'm in a room by myself. They got the other guys in other rooms. Uh, nobody tries to talk to me. The next day, uh, here comes uh, Lieutenant Charlie, Charlie Ward. He was a real hater, real hater. And he would love to make your life miserable. And there was something about, I don't know if it was his soul or, or just what, but I was kind of afraid of this guy because I felt an ugliness in him. I was so happy when he left, you know, that's how, how much he affected me, just mm -hmm. his presence. Uh, and he asked me questions and he said, what happened? And uh, I said, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I got mistaken. Uh, I got involved in somebody else's fight. I don't know. And he said, well, who? I said, I didn't see, you know. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. You didn't see, huh? Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> he said, you didn't see who you stabbed? I said, I didn't stab nobody, you know? And he said, yeah, all right. So he asked me, he says, all right, do you have any problems walking the line? And back then, all you had to do is answer their questions, sign the liability release form, yep. and they'll put you back on the yard. Yeah, the bad man. That's what we call the bad man form. Yeah. So he asked me all these questions. I said, fine, it's a sign here. You know, I signed. He said, okay, I'll see you again if you live long enough. Mm -hmm. and, and he left. I was so glad when he left, Thomas. But I started thinking, okay, I can't tell these guards, but I can tell the doctors and the nurses that I'm not a bad guy and tell them what's going on. They'll help me. Uh, I'm thinking about it and I, I'm really, really wanting to do this because I just want to get out of there. And, uh, this nurse comes by and she goes, uh, after the second day, she goes, you're leaving tomorrow. We're going to be, uh, you know, discharging. I said, oh, really? And I just wanted, all I wanted was the nurses to talk to me or anybody because I was in a real hospital mm -hmm. in a real town with real people. I didn't want to go back to that world. I was, you know, I, I hated it. I was scared of it. It, it, it <laughs> it wasn't good <laughs> so but i never said anything to him and i left that real place that real city the real hospital and real people and i went back to the walls you know and uh they put me up in the infirmary and uh i stayed there for a few months you know healing they told me your leg will heal all the way but it's gonna be hurting for a while and you know how it is in prison. You ain't going to get no real medical treatment. Yeah, you're not at all. <laughs> not in the prison itself. But uh, so the first night that I'm back, one of the inmate attendants, convict attendants comes up and he goes, uh, I got a kite for you and a bag of zoozers and wham-whams from, old, from uh, uh, the guy, the second-in-command guy. We'll call him Jerry. Mm -hmm. uh, and... I said, okay. Uh, he said, I'll bring it to you later, man. And I said, all right, you know. So I'm just sitting on the bed, and about an hour later, he comes back with a bag of groceries, man. Just coffee, junk food, and soups, and cigarettes. Uh, I got a quick lesson in, uh, in getting ready, you know. I remembered how I before, was out of wind. 
before you start that, let me let me explain to the listeners what what a kite and jujus and wham whams are. So, so a kite is is uh, it could be a package, it could be a note. It's it's something sent from one inmate to another, you know, as sort of like a, a hookup or a lookout or whatever. So if I go to the shoe, if I go to confinement, I'm gonna send a kite out of confinement. I'm gonna send a note out of confinement with somebody that's getting out or maybe even a guard or whoever to one of my homeboys to send me some, some jujus and wham whams back here, you know, and uh, tell, tell them what the jujus and wham whams are. So it's, but my uh, homeboy, my homeboy will get the kite on the yard. He'll read that. And then he'll send back what Frank's going to describe. Like, you know, top ramen soups is a big staple in the joint. Uh, cheese spread <laughs> uh, stamps, writing paper, uh, coffee, tobacco, uh, bags of chips, cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the jujus and, and wham whams, you know, the food. I know who it's from. I get it all in. But I remember how I was, I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. I was a smoker. I'm a smoker again, but I had quit for a long time. I knew I had to get in shape. I quit smoking right then and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, time, hey, man, you can have a pack of these camels. There was like three packs of camels and and, and, and pouches of bugler. And I said, you can have a pack of these camels. Uh, I don't want this tobacco. You can give it back to them. And I said, uh, I'll hang on to this. I guess you can have some. I gave him a bunch of it. I didn't really want anything. Uh, I wasn't into that right there. You know, I was, my mind was back here again. Uh, this kite, it's a, it's a long time to stand by, you know, stage. People are talking about you. Now he's going to come at you again. Only this time he's going to come at you with ego incentives. You're not going to have to prospect. You're not going to just be a part of. It. Mm-hmm. He said, "Your purpose is to glorify him. Stay on your path." He's. I know this guy don't like that other guy, mm-hmm. and he's 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 telling me, "Hey man, keep on going the way you're going." And I was just like tripping. Like, I know that that guy that I said no to put them blacks up to coming in myself. Yeah. Tried to cross me out. Mm -hmm. And I know to this day, well, he's dead now. He just died recently, just like I said he would. It's like I told him he would uh, on death row and on HRP. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, but... Yeah, oh, gee, I'm sorry. I, I got uh, where was I at right there? Uh, so you, well, you were just explaining that you knew that that he put the the blacks on you or whatnot. But we were getting into you know more along the lines of to how your time got extended. You were charged with first attempt on my life at night. It was oh. his watch, and they found. Huh. Well, no, because you were rolling up my property when I went to the hospital. Uh, they found in my mattress the second shank that I had Mm. and the sergeant told me you've got a this right up for fighting I'm going to give you five days in the hole be served at a future date uh he said this other charge that's going to go to the suits downtown they got to decide he said look it's a waste of money I most of us would have just thrown it away Mm -hmm. you guys got them all over you know uh, but you're dealing with him. So, well, they did charge me. They gave me another three years. 
So mine ain't getting out. You know, they're going to extend my 10-year sentence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get dumped. Uh, you know, and I'm finding, I'm asking people, how does this work? And they're telling me, you know, you're kind of fucked. You know, you're going to do more time than you was expecting. So they, I pretty much get an idea of, you know, how much time I'm going to have to do. And it's a few years more. Mm -hmm. But there's still hope. Still hope, you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm broke up, you know. But I vowed. I'm looking out at the, uh, you know, I'm looking out the window in the yard. And I see all these people out there. Not that I was being self-righteous right now. I was scared. But I just couldn't grasp their moral, their morals and values. It, it's everything seemed really warped and twisted. Yeah. One minute he's trying to get me crossed out, and now he's trying to get me back again. Right. I mean, this is crazy. And and I vowed I would never become like the people on that yard. Right. Little did I know that I'd become one of the worst people that ever walked that system. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what prison does. That's what prison does. Without you even knowing it. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I look back on what I became because somewhere, uh, like I got a poem that I wrote in my book. It's called Never to Surrender. And it, it talks about an experience and what I, what I, what I experienced and, and how it affected me and how I cut everything loose and, and, but the human spirit is, a, is, is an amazing thing. When you give up, it's going to rise up. If you got a real spirit, it's going to rise up and say, no, man, you can lay down. We ain't letting you lay down. <laughs> and it fights back. And uh, that's another story. But uh, yeah, you want to help me? So you, well, you, got, so you got three years on top of, of the 10 that you did. You've already been yes, for yes, like a year and yes. a half now. Yes. Because you were saying 76, about halfway through 76. And so from there, I mean, you got now you got this extra time. Like what what is going through your mind and, and what happens next? I, I call my father and I tell him. And uh, and uh, well, that's what I wanted to ask you earlier is, is you're going through all of this. Who do you have to vent to? Who are you? Is there anybody there? That's it. My father. No, nobody there really, except for a guy that I had met named John Layton. No, I'm just saying as far as anybody there for you, is anybody coming for visitations? Are you getting letters? Oh, yeah, I did. At, at first, my father came up. Then my girlfriend, which was the only time she came up, I cut her loose after that. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want her waiting around for me and all that. You know, she's a good girl. Get on with your life. Yeah. My life was taking a turn. I don't know where it's going. But it, it ain't on the same road we're on. We were on before. And so she cried and that hurt, you know. Uh, my mom, I told my mom, don't come up here anymore. Uh, I told everybody except my father at that point. Uh, it was when he, he left uh, one day. Uh, I was just taking, it was just too much for me. And I called him. And I was scared. And I said, hey, Pop. I'm not coming home. Mm. He said, what? And he already knew about this. I told him what happened. And he said, and he said, why don't you go to the, you know, I said, pop, man, these cops, man. I, I told him what I'm seeing a guard go walking in on a stabbing. I said, this guards driving cars. They bring in whiskey. They bring in drugs. 
they work for these dudes, man. Yeah. I tell, I, I tell anybody, it's not going to help me. It's going to get me killed because everybody's going to be coming after me. Yeah. But I got a whole gang of black people that already tried to kill me. And they're serious about it. I just got lucky. I'm not coming home, Pop. They're going to kill me. I can't win. He said, shut up. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, he had a sound in his voice I'd never really heard before. Yeah. It was quiet, but conviction forceful. Yeah. 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 There you go. And he said, don't say a fucking word. You just sit there and listen to what I tell you. Amen. He said, number one, I don't care who's after you or how many. If there's a hundred of them, you hit them at every chance, every opportunity you get. Don't worry about their plans for you. Mm-hmm. You hit them when, when they least expect it or any opportunity you get. He said, you throw their plans off automatically. They got to regroup. He says, and you hit them with final intent. And you put the fear of God in them. And you got to change your thinking. Don't look at it as a hundred of them against you. Mm-hmm. Look at it as a hundred to one in your favor. You know that you're their target. You know where you are at any given time. You stay yeah. ready and never hesitate. You got a hundred shots, shots at them. And they never, not one of them know who's getting it. Exactly. And like I said, as a child, I took my dad's word as God. And even then, <laughs> you know, uh, I listened to everything he said and I obeyed. I obeyed. I changed my thinking. I, 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 I quit smoking. I was, I was exercising. I started lifting weights. Uh, and unbeknownst to me, I was getting caught up in the prison life, driving well, on, doing it's, it. It's survivor, or, or you know, it's it's survivor, like you said, of the fittest. I think at that point, it's it's. It's coming home alive at all costs. If I have to do 20 more years, I'll do it before somebody kills me. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's just, this is what it is. Like we call suited and booted. We get suited and booted. It's, yep. If this is yep. what it's going to be, then, then this is what, what it's going to be. You know, you learn how to get National Geographic and make a, a waist belt. You know, <laughs> you got towels to staunch the flow of blood. You know, <laughs> you, know you do what you can. And, and it's a serious thing because I told, Do what you I, I try to explain to people, I try to be careful what I say and, and, and how I deal with people because in prison, you can't have, especially back then, you can't have ill feelings between you and somebody else because if you got a problem, it's going to, it's something bad's going to happen. So now yeah. you can't have this guy running around. Mm-hmm. So you're plotting and you're looking for the best. And you're going to have to do, I, I tell people that all the violence in prison is geared towards murder. And I got that from the, in the belly of the beast, Jack Abbott, uh, because it's true. You got a problem with somebody, don't just hurt him because you're going to come back. So if you got an issue, man, be real about it and take it all away or don't do nothing. Uh, so it depends on what's more important to you, your life or his life. 
I think especially when blotting on you too. I think that's especially true when you're dealing with 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 different races. Like if it's a white on yes. black, white on Asian, something like that. Because right, um, you know when blacks got into it with each other, it was more of punishment. It was more of self-checking things of that nature. Same with whites. Right. You know, we weren't trying to kill each other. It was just, these were checks. Like you're going to wreck the car and, and you need a timeout. You exactly. know what I mean? So yeah. it's, but when it comes to other races, that is, that is blood in blood out, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, for me, I'm adopting a program, lifting weights, still trying to stay to myself. But there's a part of me that's looking for allies because I'm alone and I'm scared. Amen. I'm handling myself, but you're getting tired. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm rising up to the occasion, but I, I don't feel like it. I don't think I am. I'm just. I'm just trying to stay alive and I, it, I yeah. it's sunk in my head. You're, you're in a moment of, of sustainability. Like, you know, that you're sustaining, but you know, deep down in your soul that you're not going to make it through your bid sustaining as you are, but you're holding your exactly. ground. But like, please, somebody send me a life. Exactly. Boat. Exactly. And as, and as the years passed, uh, uh, I remember it was 1982 and uh, there have been other attempts made against me. And what I did is whenever I was in my cell and something like that happened, I never counted a fist fight or anything as a, as a, as, as a life attempt. Mm-hmm. Only when there was weapons involved. Right. I, I look at a fist fight. I don't, I don't consider fist fights violence. It's mm-hmm. a pastime. I grew up fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, we all did. It's when you use something for, for serious intent that it becomes violent to me. That's just how I see it. Uh, and every time that serious attempt was made, I would notch it on the wall. And then when there's like four and then five, I would cross it down. You know, it's like we're knocking off days. Hmm. And I would wonder, am I going to have, am I going to be able to put another notch up there or is the next one, and that pressure was on me so constantly, and I never really got to rest. Uh, my sleep became much shorter. I couldn't sleep under the covers because what if somebody comes in the cell? I've seen them go into cells. I've seen guards unlock the doors, mm-hmm. and people run in there, and people die, uh, hanging themselves or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and so. Uh, that pressure is just, it's just, it's just drawn all the, it's drawn everything out of me. It's taking a toll. I start, I wasn't aware of it then. And I wasn't really aware of anything that was going on within me, except that I became bitter, angry, resentful. Uh, I began to hate, that hate grew. I was filled with rage. These people, I came into prison and they destroyed my whole life. And someone said, hey, dude, boy, they declared war on your ass. I said, you know what? I got news for everybody. I declare war back. 
And that's when I just, the line somewhere along the way got blurred. And I went from somebody who started out as an intended victim and I just survived. Uh, and I transformed into something else. My thought processes became hard. I became very serious-minded. I didn't talk to nobody. Uh, I carried a piece with me everywhere I went. Somebody would look at me, and I'd ask, what the fuck are you looking at? I'd get off on them. I'm getting pretty healthy with the weights. And then in 1982, <laughs> uh, I'm on 1C East. There's a guy uh, that's worked, uh, you know, tier runner or whatever. Some black guy. I remember, you know, I know he's not a gangster. So, uh, and I asked the cell house sergeant if I could paint myself because they were painting cells. And they were letting guys... He said, how about if I let to have them let tomorrow, Saturday, I'm off. I'll have them, I'll put a note to have them let you out. And I said, all right. So uh, Saturday, the guard comes, you want to you paint yourself? And I said, yeah. He grabs a big bucket of paint, a roller, and said, you can have some tear time, you know, get your cell done, blah, blah, blah. So Rada Beta is down towards the front, and I sort of got to know him a little bit. He's from California, and uh, so we're playing cards. You want to, you know, play? You know, so we're sitting out. You know how you play with the cardboard box, and he's in the cell. I'm outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an alcove that used to be a solid door when they would, and but it was off, and uh, you know, so I'm sitting there. We're playing cards. And something just wasn't right. And I'm looking around. I just don't feel right. But continue playing. All of a sudden, I feel feel a shadow. I see a shadow. And I feel a burn. And I jump up. And I turn. And this guy had just missed my neck with half a straight razor. Mm. You know? And, uh, And I don't have anything. And I shove him. And this guy in the cell, Rada Beta, said, here. And he throws me out a knife. Mm-hmm. This guy is coming up off the, uh, the the windows where I'd shoved him. Mm-hmm. And he's coming at me. And I just swung. I just swung. And it went in him. Mm-hmm. It went in him four times. I hit him four times. And he falls to the ground. And I'm just like, like, I'm just like, I'm out of it, you know? Uh, but there's also a calm. There's also a calm there within me. 